Is this thing on? Hey, it's Looney. Thanks for tuning in to the JT and Looney podcast, powered by our friends at Bet Online, the number one spot for all your basketball and football action this year. It's the new, improved Bet Online, updated desktop and mobile website. If you sign up today, you get that 50% welcome bonus just for being friends with JT and Looney. The 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code. Believe, B-L-E-A-V-50. That's the name of the great network that provides you with the JT and Looney podcast. Believe Network. So use this promo code, B-L-E-A-V-50, to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online. Basketball, football, baseball, you know, sports. NHL, boxing, UFC. Yeah, it's a sports website. They also have Vegas casino games. Take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021-2022 season at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, it's Bet Online where the game starts. And now the podcast starts. The JT and Looney Podcast, episode 108. And people don't realize actually, uh, because you're you're impatient on the air, you're wound up, you're fired up about sports, you're fired up about small issues, big issues. Uh, but in your real life, you do know the difference between small stuff and big stuff. People might be surprised to find that out. At, at home, you're a quiet man named John. You're a fun person. You don't always have to be the loudest guy at the party talking like you are on your talk show, where it's your I got job. A better way of describing that. I think on the weekend, I'm fun. During the week, doing two radio shows, a <laughs> couple of podcasts, a couple of TV shows. I don't think I'm fun during the week. And now that I'm empty nesting, my wife deserves a lot more credit for putting up with us because look, we've been in radio a long time and we've been doing this a long time. And there's a level of just, it's not monotony, but you have to get in a grid or a groove to do right. the same thing every day, even though the podcasts are different and the radio shows are different. They got to be different. You got to evolve. They got to sound different. It's the same day. And what's fascinating about right. me at this stage in my life is that, Every day during football season is the same day. Sunday's the game. Monday's the recap. Monday night football. Tuesdays, well, keep bitching and complaining about what happened on Sunday or Monday, but start previewing ahead. Right. Then you get into the preview. Then you talk to the guest who can preview the game. Then you just look for the weekend. You look, when is the last segment of the last show? When's it going to be over? And then it becomes wash, rinse, repeat, and do it again. And then those who live with you have to get used. And thank God you had boys that were interested in sports. Because if you had boys that weren't interested in sports or girls who weren't interested in sports, then, you know, they, they wouldn't have, it would have been more monotonous for them because your house is a newsroom. Because you've got ESPN News on and FS1 and you're going back and forth and watching shows and watching games. And then when you're off, you're watching games because you have a natural interest in sports. You're lucky that your wife <laughs> likes sports and didn't fight it and stand in front of the TV or turn it off on you like some wives and girlfriends do. Significant others do. And you were lucky in terms of the wife department. Yeah, the wife is everything. The boys, yeah. who cares? They're 20 and 18. They sleep, they eat, they sleep, <laughs> they eat more. You know, they don't get in the way that much. They're right. both out of college anyway. But yeah, having a partner, having someone in your life that understands when you need some space, when you're getting worked up, what you want to do when you finally get or space. wants to watch the game with you. 
Yeah. And what's happening now on the stage of our lives, and I'll go first because I want to hear yours, is what happens is I, I can't control the weekend. The weekend's so insane. Like you get to the weekend and there's this new thing that's happening where I believe I deserve to have a great time. Where <laughs> I, I don't, it's like, that's what teenagers think. Well, right. I went to school mom Monday to Friday so I can go out and go crazy with my friends on the weekend. That's what kids think. And that's what I think now, because in Vegas with the football team here now and a hockey team, and depending on when you're downloading this Friday night, I'm going to T-Mobile for the UNLV Michigan basketball game. Wow. Coaches versus cancer, big game. Michigan's ranked four in America. Saturday, I'm ringside for Crawford Porter. Nice. A really big fight. One of the my favorite fighters, Bud Crawford. And then Sunday, I'm at the torch inside Allegiant Stadium, brand new stadium for the Raiders Bengals. And then there's dinners and there's the night out. You mix in a concert and Uber there and Uber back and Uber there and Uber back. And then the next thing you know, oh, it's Monday or Sunday. Got to get back and do the radio show. So it's, it's a seven day stretch that just revolves around just turn the page of the calendar it's the same way well i have a since uh october of 2019 i've been a a news journalist as you know jt a weekend news anchor at kabc in los angeles where i have to be up at five o'clock in the morning so my friday and saturday nights are almost like school nights where I can't, have, you know, if I go out to Taylor's, I can have a couple of beers on a Friday or Saturday night, but I can't get after it like I used to and order the bottle of wine and the second bottle of wine and the, the, the Coronas before the dinner. And so now I can actually get after it on a Tuesday night watching a Laker game or a Dodger playoff game. I can get after it more now during the week, which I could never do before because we were on the radio at night together. Those were sober days on Sunday through Thursday, for the most part, at least unless we went out after work. And so that's that's been a, a new revelation for me, at least in the last couple of years of more uh, sober weekends. Well, I don't want to ever say never, but the next time I get screwed on radio or something happens in my career, which hasn't been much, been right. very lucky we both have been. But they say, hey, uh, can you do Saturday night? Can you do Saturday night, 10 to 1 a.m. Eastern time or whatever? No. I worked worked my whole damn life and done pretty well. So I don't want to have to do that. But the shift that you're talking about, you got a great shift because KBC is this blowtorch, great station. And there's a lot of important news. See what, what I do is I talk sports and I, we both do it. I think it's important. No, 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 no. It's, it's fun. What you do is news now, and that's really important. Well, yeah, that's that is the difference. You know, fires and floods and earthquakes and riots and pandemics are important. And uh, right. We we, that was kind of what we we always called it the toy department of broadcasting. It was those were important games to Austin, the sports fan. But they real when you looked up important in the dictionary, sports doesn't isn't any under any thesaurus or synonym for important. This is reality television and radio at its best. These are sporting events that were going on anyway that we started putting cameras at and putting microphones and broadcasting over the radio. But it was, those were the those were the thing. You know, sports is what uh, is on television between the newscasts, mm-hmm. and the newscasts are the important thing, and the sports is the candy. 
Yeah, and it seems like all the major news in the world is in like a 12 mile radius where you live in L.A. <laughs> it's all like politics in L.A., COVID politics, right. homelessness, uh, the tankers, which I'm the most fascinated of anything in the world. Are all those tankers lined up supply chain? Oh, my God, they're faking stocking shelves because Looney can drive. 20 minutes, you can drive to San Pedro. It's probably longer right. than that or anywhere. And look out with binoculars. And another way the news scares you is they, they make it out to be with the drones that there's hundreds upon hundreds of freight ships out there. Is that true? Are they all out there in that one spot? Well, yeah. And we always, we have to, <laughs> what do we have to compare it to, though? Have they always been out there? Has it always been 100? Has it normally been 25, 50? They don't always, they always explain that because, you know, the scary pictures always sell with the news and the way you write the headlines, which I try not to do, but you know, that uh, Kaiser may have to lay off 1,000 people who refuse to get a vaccine. And then you find out a million people work at Kaiser. <laughs> and so it's 1% of their force. So, uh, or a one-tenth of 1% 1 of their force. So sometimes it's the way you phrase things or the pictures you put up to get people's attention. And sometimes also what I have a problem with in the news, in the broadcast news business, is sometimes things are cute videos or fascinating videos but they're not necessarily news. You know, the, the, the bear eating the Kentucky Fried Chicken in someone's kitchen is cute, a little scary, but that's not news. It belongs on Instagram, not on CBS News. What's interesting, too, is with the supply chain and all these ships off the coast of Southern California, is, is there really going to be one mom who can't get the Christmas tour that she wants. Cause that's how they're preparing <laughs> us on the news. They're actually telling you that the Christmas toy that you want, because if someone can't get peanut butter, they'll survive. If someone can't get a certain type of sneaker, they'll survive. But when you start to get to medicine and you start to think about important things in life, what you need, then you get a little bit worried or people get worried about milk or orange juice and all of this. But what they're doing and what they've been telling us is that, and this is a great scare tactic from the news. They do it every four to five years. Go out and shop now. Shop now because it might not be there. You add in the problem now with the supply chain and the real issue. All they're doing is scaring people to go out before Black Friday. They want you to go out two weeks even earlier than that. They should tell people to stop shopping. That's <laughs> what they should tell people to do. And I know that we are in a consumer economy. But, you you know, start buying uh, each other one toy for Christmas or one gift for Christmas. Uh, narrow it down a little bit. If you, if anyone who's ever had to move realizes, oh, my God, we got too much stuff in this house. Or who's had a parent, you, your parents had to move out of your house. My mother had to move out of hers. And then, you think, oh, my God, there's too much junk in this house. And my mother wasn't a collector of junk, but there was still too much after having lived there since 1950. And we all have way too. I used to make fun of you for the signed jerseys and sports memorabilia. And I told you I don't collect any sports memorabilia because I don't need any more junk in my house. I'm trying to get less stuff in my house, not more. We all have too much stuff and put too much emphasis on it. How long have I been telling you I'm mallophobic and I refuse to go to malls since you met me? Well, it's a hot topic in my personal life. My parents moved and they had their whole life. We talked about that on a previous podcast, 59 years in a house. You can understand how yeah. they could accumulate stuff. My in-laws, same thing. But again, I didn't bring forks. I didn't bring plates. I didn't bring pillows. The 30 moves that I had from college all right. the way through. So I had to get new stuff and I would tend to leave it there. But 
Look, I think the one thing that could come out of, well, many things, but one important thing that could come out of this pandemic and the way that our lives should have changed in the last two years, you just get rid of stuff that you don't need. No one should care about their car and what they drive as much as they did three, four, five years ago. No one should care about all the extra produce and all the extra food that they have in their pantry. No one should care about all the amenities that they're adding in their backyard. People are going to do it, but it shouldn't be as important because we were supposed to be a little bit more grounded over the last two years. Well, yeah, and people aren't caring about the job that they used to have. Did you notice that? And that's changing. They, they realize I don't want this is not my mission in life to work here at uh, Pudgy's Pizza. And so a lot of people and, you know, it's also happened with that as one of my favorite two of my favorite places, not far from the house that are now reopened again. Now that we're slowly reopening our economy. One of the things that restaurant owners and bar owners have to remind people who work there now, you're the stranger behind the bar. We're not strangers. We've been coming here for years. It's all different people working here at this club now, here at the Greyhound, here at the Highland Bowl, where I like to go. Don't treat me like the stranger. Treat me like a friend who's been coming here a long time. You're the stranger. You just started working here. We used to know everybody that worked here. And that is a little bit, and I'm not trying to sound entitled, I, I, because I've worked on that side of the bar. But I think a lot of places have to remind the new people that work there that uh, a lot of our regulars, you're a stranger to them. Don't treat our regulars like strangers. Treat everybody who walks in the door like they might have been a regular who's been coming here for years. And don't treat them like strangers. And that's what I've been encountering at a few of my favorite places because so many of my favorite places have all new people now. Has that been happening to you? Yeah, it does happen. Yeah. A lot of people that I know who own businesses and our partners in business can't find reliable people to work. Yeah. And that's a demographic thing that's happening now. There are people that have done well in life and they're at a certain point. I think we're in that category. There are young people who are just getting their first jobs. We want to encourage them on the, on this podcast to work their ass off, yeah. achieve all their goals, work as hard as they can accomplish their dreams in life. And then there's a lot of people that I'm talking to now, again, in our demographic and our age bracket that are just saying, I don't give a shit anymore. I worked enough. I'm fortunate to have money. I have a good life. I got things paid off and whatever the new job's going to be next, who cares? I mean, there's got to be a point in time where you stop. And I'm talking about this a lot more with my friends. I got a lot of buddies who are teachers, guys who worked at UPS, cops. A lot of my friends, as you know, we've mm-hmm. talked about are police officers and firemen, and they're all trying to figure out when to retire. And they can retire now, but they don't know what to do next. So the conversations that I'm having with some friends are, well, I can go one more year as their body's breaking down. Remember, very important point. Their body's already breaking down and they're saying, well, I can work one more year. And I'm like, why would you work one more year? Because when you are retired, you're going to be able, you're barely able to walk. You're not going to be able to play golf. So why would you do that? And then I have other people that have young kids or just kids and they're going, yeah, well, what am I going to do? Well, I'm not one of those guys. What am I going to do? Like I said, my my weekends, as I tell you what my weekends look like when I'm done, I'm done. And as long as you worked hard and your ass off your whole life, whenever you stop, it could be 49. It could be 53. It could be 64. It could be 70. You got to feel good about stopping and enjoying it. And that's another thing that's grounded me in the pandemic. It doesn't matter anymore. I mean, if you work for 30 years and then you work for this godforsaken pandemic, 
and you come out on the other side, enjoy the other side, smell the roses. My cousin, Timmy, recently retired, and I haven't seen him in so many years. He said, Tommy, when you retire, because, when you know, we call each other by our little boys' names. His friends don't call him Timmy, and nobody calls me Tommy, but that's our history. Johnny. Right. He says, Tommy, when you retire, you have to find a hobby. And I thought, he's talking to the wrong guy. I've been doing my hobbies yes. all my life. You're a good example so, of that. Yeah, for, for us... It's been, you know, a lot of people have to consider whether or not they want to do their miserable job the next day. When we say we work hard, it's not compared to other people. <laughs> we work hard within our hobbies of, of, of talking into the microphones, enjoying the sound of our own voice and turning it into a, a paycheck. But it's a, it is one of those things and we're lucky. That's been good for our health. Because we could take a job in broadcasting even if we don't need it. Like Brent Musburger. Because it's great. It's like uh, for some people, it's like for us, it's like exercise. This is good endorphins going through our body when we get to talk to a microphone. But whatever's on our mind, then someone mails us a check and puts it in our account. Well, a big topic for me now with other friends, and I'm talking for another one on this podcast, is that you just don't want to be defined by your job. Right. But people now in our business, in sports radio, let's just stay with that or I work out here for the Raiders and I know some people that are, are leaving after they've worked with the team for 20 plus years. And I remind them, that's not what I think of you as. I don't think of you as that. I think of you as a friend. I don't think of you by your job, but a lot of people now who change jobs after 40 or 50 or even 60, they get to the point where everybody thinks of them as that person with the job. And you don't want to be defined by that. You want to be defined as being a father a husband, a partner, you know, you know, a right. mother, yep. you want to be described as that first, a, a good son. Yeah. And I've talked to people in our business and radio that are in between jobs and they're worried about, well, people used to think of me as this. And there is a lot of truth to that because there are some scoundrel program directors and GMs that are, well, what would you do last? Well, maybe I was in between jobs for eight right. months. Who cares? I'm still as good as I was. And then people don't think that and you, you people don't need to be defined by their jobs. Oh, my God. It, it drives me crazy because I'm talking to some good friends and it's emotional. They've just moved on from these big titles and big jobs. And I'm looking at them and I know exactly what they're going to go through. They're going to go through something that I went through a few years ago. People are going to see you and go, oh, you used to do that. What are you doing now? Instead of just saying, hey, man, how you been? Give me a hug. What's new? What are we going to do this weekend? And we got to get away from that when we look at our friends and family and define them by their jobs. Never want to be Michael Dokes. I ran into Michael Dokes at the Black Whale in Marina Del Rey in the 1990s. Great the boxer. Yes. Oh. And his, I knew somebody big was inside the restaurant because there was a Cadillac with a license plate that said, I used to be. I thought, I never want that license plate. However, if I used to be heavyweight champion, I might want that. <laughs> I might want that license plate. And I walked in, and he was in there. And it was exciting, you know, because you know what a of the boxing brings out the child in me. But you're right about that. I, I, I've often brought up Pete Rose. Pete Rose to you is a friend and is a person. And I always worried about Pete because Pete kind of exchanged himself for the symbol of himself. And I think Pete would have been... Pete would be happier if I could speak for Pete Rose, the all-time hit king. He, I, I should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I am baseball. And you don't think of Pete as baseball. You think of Pete as a person. You think of Pete as a friend. 
And uh, I know it's a little bit uncomfortable because he is a friend, but I always he's one of the people I always think of when I worry about people exchanging, you know, themselves for the symbol of themselves. Don't over identify. I had a friend who has an incredible broadcast job that everyone would want. And he was kind of burned out on it a little bit. And I said, there's nothing wrong. And he was he was worried about other possible broadcast opportunities because they were limited because of what he has done. I said, there's nothing wrong with selling shoes. Everyone needs a pair. There's nothing wrong with selling suits. Working is dignified. And bringing a paycheck in to feed your children is dignified. It doesn't have to be with lights and a camera and microphones. And that's what happens to people who do fun stuff like we do when there's not lights and cameras and microphones. They, they've over, they worry about what people are going to think. And you're not in high school. Just go do something. Well, one of the things that that cesspool Twitter has done and some social media is yeah. what happens is when when you do change a job or a career or you do something else. And if if you're well known or just a little bit, yep. known, people will react to it who don't know what happened. They'll react yep. to it. They'll say, oh, what happened? Well, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Uh, that chapter ended. This chapter could start. Whatever, whatever it is for that person. But what happened, the good news is now no one gives a shit after like three to four days. So if oh. you can if you can go through this and politicians have taught us this over the decades, except the big politicians. Right. When Bill Clinton had Monica Lewinsky, as if you're watching American Crime Story and you're looking at the impeachment big mm -hmm. show that's out there when Clinton and Monica Lewinsky hit, that didn't go away during a news cycle. Right. That stayed forever and is a big part of his legacy outside of his accomplishments as a president. He'll Definitely. always be known for that. But if you have a TV anchor job in West Lafayette or you got a radio show in Poughkeepsie, New York, and it ends after three or four days of people on Twitter going, what happened? What, what are you going to do next? Everybody on Monday goes back to work, tries to put food on the table, tries to make money and they get they get on with their lives. But people think it's all about them. What are people thinking about? Oh, yeah. And, you and, know and after too. the pandemic, no one gives a shit anymore. We had a hundred year pandemic. No one gives a shit anymore. Everybody's just in survival mode looking for the next gig. And I also think that we think people are paying as close attention as we are. You know, how many times you have someone say, how's Looney? And because they think you're still doing a show with me. Hey, mm -hmm. still doing the show with JT. And <laughs> it's like. Wow. So we think that everyone's been you know, all locked in to what we're doing lately. And it happens to people all the time. You know, people ask Chris Rose about the best damn sports show, period. Hasn't been on in, in 13 years when they see him in, at 7-Eleven. It's, uh, it's just one of those things where sometimes when you do a, a, a job that's in the public eye, we think everyone knows when it ends. And they don't. We should all be lucky enough to be Sting. I saw Sting in concert. It was one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. Exciting. I had wow. no expectations going in. I, a friend was in town, big group. There was about eight or nine of us. And my buddy Brad, you know, from Maui in San Diego, was putting together a weekend with the Raider game on the back end. Said, hey, I'm getting Sting tickets for everybody. And, of course, I got the upgrade. I made the call. I got the <laughs> upgrade. And, of course, Bobby G., my friend, ran with, up me with the upgrade. But went into the show and sat in the Coliseum which they built at Caesar's palace specifically for Elton John, Celine Dion, Rod Stewart, Sting, Jerry Seinfeld, who performs there exclusively. So they built this masterpiece for sound. 
So I went in there and I didn't do much research on it. Looked a little bit online and Sting comes out and he's so fit. He's in incredible shape. And then he opens up with Roxanne, an acoustic version. And I'm like, oh, no, shit. He's going to go. He's going to slow every song down. No, don't slow every song (laughs) down and don't play it like you're, you know, you're in uh, Jamaica and give me the reggae version. I don't want to see that. So that was the open. And then the lights came up, the explosion message in a bottle by the police. If you love somebody, set them free. Englishman in New York. Every little thing she does is magic. Uh, Fields of gold, brand new day, shape of my heart, wrapped around your finger, walking on the moon. And it felt, Tom, I've been telling everybody this. It felt like I was in his living room in London with a headset on, with a video screen behind him. It was incredible. My wife and I were dancing in the aisles, loving this. And I walked out of there and I said, maybe that's what concerts should be. You know, you're seeing someone great, but you come in with lower expectations and then it makes the concert feel like one of the best you've ever been to. Well, it's hard. You know, optimism is both of is oxygen for both of us. So it's hard for both of us to have low expectations because that's not our nature. But those times when you do in life have low expectations, like you know, I always <laughs> going to my stepbrother's uh, <laughs> wedding. <laughs> I had, I had an incredibly good time because I had such low expectations. And uh, but in life, that's that's the power of low expectations. I don't encourage people to be that's such a dark cloud, you know, to encourage people to have lower expectations. But when that happens, isn't it terrific when you have low expectations and you go into a, a wedding, a, a funeral, thinking you're going to be crying the whole time and you laugh and see people you haven't seen. Went to a funeral a couple of weeks ago and just saw a bunch of incredible people and had a wonderful time, a spontaneous gathering on a Wednesday afternoon with people you would normally would not see on a Wednesday afternoon. And the same thing with uh, what happened to you with Sting. I'm so happy to hear that. And sometimes when guys do solo tours for legal reasons, they can't do the songs that made them famous like he had with the police. I'm so glad he can do those. Well, you, as you were warning me, there wasn't a lot of whales and should. Yeah, I know that. it was really great rock and roll. Well, his best music was before he got rich, because when he got rich, he mixed up rich with famous. I mean, rich with smart. When you're rich, everyone wants to talk to you and then you you overvalue the words you have to say and you start to mix up rich with smart. And I always told you he was a perfect example of that. And what were the best songs? That he sang, the ones that he wrote. When well, he I thought every before. breath you take, King of Pain oh, sounded oh. so good, and Brand New Day, and every little thing she does is magic. It just sounded good. It was the police. It was oh. the police, and it was also the first time, first time I ever left the show, and I googled every band member the next day. I I remember uh-huh. he introduced the band, and I was he had a father on guitar and a son on the other guitar. Wow. So that was a cool story. Because you could see the styles and they were similar. He had great background singers. He had an African-American gentleman who came out singing a solo who sounded like Stevie Wonder. I mean, it was incredible. And then the drummer was great because if you're going to play police covers, you better have a damn good drummer. (laughs) Yes. So he was great. And it was just good. And, you know, the, the other thing people are starting to freak out about. We're running. We're running out of college football coaches. We're running out of NBA coaches. We have no more left. 
There's none left. If you said, oh, Lane Kiffin's really going to take the Miami job and really leave Old Miss after a year, after leaving Alabama the year before, it's because we don't have any more coaches. We've run through them. In the NBA, I call it the regurgitation of the middle-aged white guy. We've hired and fired Stan Van Gundy and Scott <laughs> Styles so many times we don't have any more coaches. And we're running out of rock and roll. We're not running yeah. out of music. We're running out of rock and roll. So you wonder why these guys in their 60s and 70s are still performing, because if they can, if they can, it, they're so good at it because they've been playing this music for 30, 40 years that they can perfect it and play it at a very high level. They're not running track. They're not doing something. They can sing these songs. That's why the Rolling Stones, Billy Joel, uh, John Fogarty, Sting. They're all having a revival and going on tour because everyone wants to hear this music. None of them are my cousin, Timmy, looking for a hobby because <laughs> because yeah. their livelihood has been their hobby. And they didn't you know, they did it for free. And then once they started getting paid, it wasn't any more special uh, because it was always magical when they did it for free. It's uh, such a an incredible feeling when you get a paycheck for something that you would, you know, you and I, I especially me, you, you didn't dream of doing anything like this, but I played with tape recorders as a child and I'm doing broadcasting from home now. It's like I'm 12 and playing radio station at the house like I used to do with my walkie talkies on channel 12. It's it, 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 anytime you can do that, you don't have to look for a hobby once you retire and I also need to mention that as a name drop of my Hollywood life, and this was my Venice Beach life, for over a decade, I lived across the street from Andy Summers. Mm. The third wow. member of the police, yeah, had, of the police yeah, had this nondescript, you know, like kind of cement type beach house that could have survived a tsunami in the middle of, uh, of Venice Beach. Nobody knew he lived there. I did because he came in for a, co a coffee a lot at my co coffee shop. And uh, it was uh, that was kind of cool. And he never used to come in with any other rock stars. He always just came in with regular people. I was always hoping he would come in with rock stars. Uh, so I, I and I've always thought that the police was an incredible rock and roll band. And Sting was an unbelievable talent. And I'm glad he's singing the songs from when he was poor, because there were so much better than the songs he wrote when he was wealthy. Man, your Lakers suck. <laughs> I've been watching them play, and now they play at Crypto.com. Yes, and it's Christmas Day. Yes. Christmas Day, they're pulling off the biggest money grab in the history of money on a day where people and strangers are supposed to exchange gifts. And you're supposed to stop one in the, someone in the street and exchange a gift with them and say, peace, and here's a gift. They are dropping a money grab of epic proportions. They're done with Staples Center. Crypto, where no one really understands what cryptocurrency is. I've never <laughs> met anybody who sold any. I know people bought it, but they never got liquid and sold it yet and bought anything. And I'm sure it works. But how do you feel about going into the crypt? Crypto.com. Yeah. What do you think of this? I can't wait to tell you some tales from the crypt, JT. And a shout out to my friend Madison, who wears braces. And he's 23 at LA Fitness in Hollywood, who made seven figures. Because when he was a teenage boy, he invested in Bitcoin. How about that? And so he was giving me recommendations last night of some new cryptocurrency. Did he, sell his, did he sell his Bitcoin and actually get 
Yeah, he doesn't card cash or is he telling you that he exchanged his Bitcoin for some cryptocurrency? Did he actually make the money? Oh, yeah, because he was I remember when he was uh, cashing out and he was doing it in these smaller amounts back in the day. So strange when somebody wearing braces is telling you (laughs) cashing out their six figures to stay under a certain amount uh, because of uh, tax purposes, etc. Yeah, he doesn't do anything but work out. Uh, he should be in better shape considering how much free time he has because of his Bitcoin. Uh, but crypto, I can't wait to for, for the new Crypto.com arena uh, to open up Christmas Day. I have no worries about my Los Angeles Lakers. Don't you think that was a good loss against the Milwaukee Bucks? It was such a close game without LeBron James. And as you know, JT, when you've got LeBron James, you usually go to the finals. Or you go deep, deep into the playoffs. They don't have LeBron James right now. There are a lot of people. Who have uh, who, whose favorite team in the NBA is mediocre right now or having issues and, you know, has a 500 record or below like my favorite team, but they don't have the roster of my favorite team. And have you seen how Carmelo Anthony is playing? He's playing like he's 23 years old. Well, what blows me about the blows me away about that loss against the Bucs. They only play the Bucs once a year in Milwaukee, one game. And LeBron warmed up, and he looked like he could go. Frank Vogel thought he was hoping. He decided not to go. So whenever you're injured, you don't have to play. I'm not criticizing LeBron. But in that game, it was one of the greatest games that Antetokounmpo's ever had, and he's had some good ones. He played only 36 minutes. He had 47 points. He was 18-23 from the field. He was 3-4 of four from three, which was pretty amazing. And he had uh, three assists, nine rebounds. And he, he was, listen to this, he was incredible when it came to his production in the paint because he's one of the only players in NBA history to shoot 75% or better and have 47 points or more. So that is a rare stat. Now, Anthony Davis of the Lakers, and man, I got a lot of mileage out of this one. Anthony Davis ended up playing only 31 minutes. He was 4 of 10 from the field and excuse me, Anthony Davis played 37 minutes. He was 19 of 15 from the field, but he didn't attempt the free throw. So when I saw that, oh. I went ape shit because yeah. I said to myself, it's impossible for a seven foot man to play 37 minutes of basketball and go zero for zero, not attempt the free throw. And I got, I got ahead of that. So when they did the post game press conference, Vogel had to answer it. Anthony Davis had to answer it. They did what you should do. They complained about the refs, but I watched the game and he shouldn't have attempted any free throws. Other than one, he had a dunk that he might've been fouled on after he scored. But Tom, that's the definition of soft. You got to get this guy going. You're playing Antetokounmpo, the MVP and the finals MVP, and you don't go to the free throw line. Well, I want to tell anybody this in the NBA who's seven feet tall or taller. And there's a lot of them. It's a freak show out there. You're not Steph Curry. You don't need to shoot threes. <laughs> Steph Curry is shooting threes because he started out as a small kid and he never grew. And now he's a small kid in the NBA. But you're seven feet tall. Stop shooting threes. And I'm not, I'm trying not to be the get off my lawn guy. I know the game is evolving and I love it. And I love evolution. I don't mind music evolving and sports evolving, or I don't mind uh, gender-neutral bathrooms. I don't whine about change, except when it comes to seven feet guys taking threes. Stop it.
Yeah, and you gotta you gotta get to the free throw line. Oh, you have to. God. I can't believe Anthony Davis did that. Uh, finally, I got my booster shot. Oh, good. I forgot yes. to get one. I got to get one. And the reason why I'm saying this is not hooray for me or shaming you for not having your booster shot. I've always been consistent on this podcast when it comes to COVID. Take it seriously. Take it very seriously. My other big theme is don't believe the assholes who haven't taken it seriously and guessed wrong. My big hot button is the people who initially guessed wrong and said only a thousand people would die. It's no big deal. It'll be over. It'll be over after the summertime. Don't ever listen to anything they ever say in their life, especially about a pandemic. And they're out there tweeting and talking about it. And they want you to forget what they said. The only reason I'm telling you this is because I had a chance to get it. I got it. I am okay with it. I think that I'm doing my part. I think that more people should do it. If you don't remind people that you're vaccinated, tell them you did in any position where you have a voice, then you're not helping others who might be considering it. So most people are telling people when they got their booster or their first or second shot, I got it. The, the don't know what, how I'm going to feel in a couple of days, but I did it because I think I'm doing my part. Yeah. And you're doing your part for other people and you have old people in your family. Don't, doesn't anybody with these uh, contrarian opinions have any old no, people they're psychos. in their life? No, that, no, no, no. That's my point. Yeah, they have their own opinions. They're not doctors. They're not scientists. They have their own opinions. They're not well thought out. Most of them. Some are, I have friends who really looked into this topic and I respect them, but in general, we are such an ignorant country that people aren't trying to further educate themselves on that. And what I fear is going to happen, and I hope I'm wrong, what I think is going to happen is people are going to get vaccinated, the most of us are, and then people are going to get their booster shot, and they might get a second. But then after that, they're going to say, the hell with it. I tried. I was vaccinated twice. I took the boosters. They want me to do it again, and I'm not going to do it. And then the numbers are going to dwindle, unfortunately, in the wrong direction, or maybe we'll have a better cure for it a year from now. I don't know. I don't claim to know. I just wanted to share that. Yeah, and I think one thing that people need to realize, and they say, well, why do we need to get another one? Does that mean they don't know what they're doing? No, they're amazing. But it's the same thing with the flu shot. The flu's not really a vaccine. People still get the flu, but we still get a flu shot almost every year because there's different strains, et cetera. It's the same thing with COVID. Okay, we might have to get a shot every year. Get it and save your grandmother from dying or someone else, someone's baby. Wow. You listen to all 38 minutes and six seconds of the JT and Looney podcast episode. We appreciate that. We are powered by bet online where the game starts. Thank you for listening to believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.